Hello, everybody, Hello. and welcome to the Macaw Podcast universe. universe. Today we are what? Where, what are we? Halfway through October, and guess what? Turn your lights off. Uh, play some creepy music. Um, uh, put a d- monster under your bed. Is that something? And get scared because <laughs> we're getting scary. This is going to be the scariest podcast you've ever listened to since, really, since Serial. Whoa. Right? Wow. Um, We're taking it back from Serial. We are now the number one podcast ever with this series. I'm just guessing. Yeah. And we're, we're doing our first, this is our first, like, actual horror series, right? Yes. And this is Insidious. Yes. And, um. Is it called the Insidious series? Yeah, I think so. It's um that would make sense to me. Um and I'm I'm excited to do this. Uh laying, well, laying the groundwork. I I just so that people know if if you are a fan of this podcast and you listen to our Master Z episode, um you were probably like, "Man, if you're not from Jackson County or don't know us, you might go, "Were they okay with all those fires that happened?" Cuz we had evacuated and we were recording in your parents' home. Mm-hmm. We're okay. We're fine. We're back at the home studio. We're back at the apartment. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of people aren't, and uh, we'll we've been putting in the last two episodes like links, and yeah. we'll we'll do that in in this one as well. Um, if we didn't, then everyone is okay and fine, which probably isn't the case. Yeah. But um, yeah, but we're okay. So, and we're we're ready to spook you up this this <laughs> season. Um. What, what do you want to say? Anything before? Anything about anything? Anything about anything? Um, I don't know. What? I'm here to talk about this movie, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm here to talk about this movie. One. So one thing right off the bat I want to talk about before we really get into the movie is my expectation of this movie because True. I had not seen this movie. Yeah. I'd seen the cover of this movie. I knew it was James Wan, and I thought that this was going to be really, really, really disturbing and scary. Now, it is a scary movie, but I thought this was going to be, like, under your skin, like, I'm not going to be able to sleep, and I think you could argue it is. But this movie was a lot more, for lack of a better word, fun to me Yeah. than I was expecting. Yeah. And I mean that in a very good, positive way. Yes. Because when it makes that astral plane change halfway through the movie and they talk about the astral plane which we'll get into i was like oh this movie's kind of fun like i like where this movie's going i that feels very poltergeist and um i'm less scared and more just like fully entranced by the movie yeah i i feel like they're kind of two ways to do horror movies because a lot for the most part i would say a lot of and i'm talking strictly like supernatural horror not thriller stuff but like I feel like you you have a choice to ex- full on explain what's going on or not. Yes, yes. And this one full on explains, and I love it. But uh, the only other example I can think of right off the top of my head is like Evil Dead, which I know is like way older than this movie, and it laid a lot of groundwork for horror. Uh-huh. But like that doesn't really explain much. Uh-huh. All you they do is they find this book. Yeah, and there's like a and curse they on open it. it, and stuff happens. Totally. That's kind of it. And it works for that, too. They make the choice to not bring someone in who is the character that ex- gives all the exposition. Mm-hmm. 
So there, you kind of have a choice to make. Sometimes in horror, that 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 choice, with no matter what the choice is made, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, oftentimes, I think people are left feeling like uh, dissatisfied because things were not explained, or they're feeling like that was dumb because it was explained. Right. So it's a tough needle to thread for yeah. sure. And this one, I think, works. Yeah, yeah, I think it works really well right off the bat, folks. I really, really like this movie a lot, and I'd never seen it. And then the other thing I want to talk about before we dive in is that I thought this movie was rated R. I thought all the Insidious movies are rated R. Since this one is PG-13, I'm going to assume the rest are probably PG-13. I think that's probably a safe assumption to make. We'll see. Um, But yeah, I I thought it was R, so I was expecting it to be... um, I, I, I guess I'll compare it to... So I'll probably bring up Sinister a lot in this podcast because we just watched sinister it that comes had out. to have been r right oh yeah oh okay. yeah that movie comes out a year after insidious so okay. they're like in the same realm and that movie is like that one got micah that one really freaked me out and i i liked it a lot but i was i had that feeling in it that happens occasionally where i was not so certain that i should be watching it like, yeah. my stomach kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. Which is kind of a good thing when a horror movie does that. But sometimes I've seen some movies that I wish didn't make me feel that way or I had just said, no, I don't want to watch the rest. But we stuck it through Sinister. And then, like, the next day I was like, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I I don't think one is maybe better than the other. I may have liked Insidious a little bit more. I liked Insidious more. I find it interesting that this movie is um, PG-13. And it... Because I find a lot of it just very disturbing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't probably it wasn't the most violent. It was no Saw, James Wan, as Which, we know. Yes. Yeah. So it is. It is a little funny. Well, it's not. I just think that maybe this movie proves that he is a good director because he comes out with Saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, who like years ago, and is like a massive success. It's unlike anything people have ever seen. Personally, I think it's just torture porn and it sucks. I do. Have you seen the first one? I've seen the first one, the second one, and then like another one. And every time I watched one, I always told myself, I want to throw up and I will never watch one again. And then I would watch one again. Yeah. (laughs) I would watch another one. And I would always be so mad at myself because it was always my fault that I watched it. You know, it's like I can't be mad at the people in the movie necessarily because I chose to watch it. But the. Yeah, I, I do remember some... I forget. So I've seen the first one, the second one, and then I don't remember the other one. And what's kind of interesting is the story is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, there's too many now that probably that it's not as interesting anymore. I'm but sure. like the, the first couple, like the story was kind of interesting, but it is so overclouded by the gore mm-hmm. that it, it, it just, it doesn't even matter how good it is, the, the story to yeah. me. So it's cool to see this movie... I've only seen this one. I've seen the, I saw this one first time in high school, and um, knowing he's the saw guy, and he did not go for that. So, which is cool. Because, yes. Sorry, I'm just no, I'm keep almost going, done. Keep going. But I'm it's sorry. just it's cool because he he obviously has some kind of affinity for that type of horror, but he knows that he doesn't always need to do it. Like he he made a completely different horror movie uh-huh. in this one, and it. Personally, I like it way more. At the time I saw this movie, it w- I was in high school, and I told myself that is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, that has since changed. Uh, so, therefore, when we watched this, I told myself like, "Oh, this is definitely not going to be as scary as the yeah. first time I saw yeah. it." 
still pretty freaking scary. I gotta say. Yeah. Um, still not since then. It's not still not the scariest, but it is pretty dang scary. Sorry, I I was smiling that whole time because you brought up and you explained something. I was gonna wait a little bit to talk about. Yeah. But I was reading through the production of the movie. James Wan makes this like low budget horror movie in Australia. It does okay. Then he makes Saw with um, Lee Winnell, who's the writer in this movie and one of the um, the guys who he's the guy with the glasses. Yeah, who like helps them try and discover yeah. him with technology. Um, and they make Saw. Saw's a huge success. Makes this Is massive. Is that co-directed franchise. or co-written? Uh, right, written. Oh, okay. They both wrote it. I th- I believe. I don't know actually if James Wan wrote it, but okay. I, I'm pretty sure they did. Because remember on our Mad Max episode, we talked about how the ending of Mad Max One, James Wan cites as the inspiration for Saw because uh-huh. Mad Max ties up that guy to a car uh-huh. and says you can either saw off your leg or your arm, uh-huh. uh, but it, in three minutes or this car is going to explode or whatever. Uh-huh. So go back and listen to our Mad Max One episode. If you want to hear more about that. But anyway, so what's cool about what you said, though, Saw, known to be ultra-violent, ushers in the era of torture porn horror movies. Yeah. And those become, like, such a trend. Those are, like, your Eli Roth movies, stuff like that. I have wholeheartedly avoided those my entire life. I really, sometimes when we, like, dunk on Saw or something, I'm a little, like, I can only dunk on it so much because I really haven't seen it, and yeah. I'm okay just leaving that as a blank spot in my film watching. Yeah. But then James Wan goes on to do like this uh, another like indie horror movie about like a ventriloquist dummy that he he stated was more of a I don't remember the title of it. Yeah. But more of like a Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. And then he does another movie that's more of like a a thriller, and then, but those last two movies after Saw hadn't been very big successes. So he's kind of sitting there and he's like, I want to do something cool. I want to do something awesome. What am I going to do? And then they start talking about Insidious, him and Lee Winnell again. And I believe we went, Lee Winnell shares the... Oh, Dead Silence. I remember seeing trailers for this movie and I was like, dolls in it? No, I'm not watching <laughs> that. I avoid dolls. Yes. Um, anyway, continue. So Lee Winnell, I believe, is the only one with the story credit on this movie. Okay. Um, but here's here's all of this ramping up to say, so I, James Wan has this kind of like asterisk on him, like, oh, James Wan is like the violent guy. He's kind of written off as he's the guy who has to do violence, like ultra, ultra violence and that gross horror. So he's kind of noticing that maybe he's missing out on some opportunities, and then he's like so proud of Saw, he loves Saw, but he's like, I want to do something that doesn't rely on gore. And I want to prove to people that I can do stuff that doesn't rely on gore. And he makes Insidious. So all the things you just talked about were exactly what he was trying to communicate, which mm-hmm. is so cool that you, without even reading anything, were like, you just said like everything that he wanted you to feel You're when you watched it. You're saying I got it. it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I thought that that was pretty cool. And then um, speaking of, though, he will go on to make... So he makes Saw one of the most success. I think the most successful horror franchise, maybe, at least up there. Okay. Um, yeah. Insidious, yeah. really successful. He will go on to make Conjuring, yep. which is is still going, still going, and is up there for most successful. He also makes Aquaman, which was a huge success, and for the most part, people loved that movie. He makes Furious Seven. Yeah. So that's like his whole filmography, and he's. 
he's this guy that I have not really watched his movies. I've seen Aquaman, which I didn't particularly love. I would kind of like to rewatch it. You had fun, um, though. Yeah, I mean, there's an octopus playing drums. It can't be bad if there's an octopus playing drums. And also, I mean, the movie's pretty self-aware for what it is. It's not really, it's not trying to be a serious, like, yeah. Batman v Superman. Like, this is serious. Right. Take us serious. It's like, there's an octopus playing drums, <laughs> you know? Um, Patrick Wilson looks like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think his name is Orm. So, but that's kind of cool. Mm. Um, but then he, you know, he, I'd, I'd seen Conjuring, and Conjuring is pretty good. I like the movie. I, I think Insidious is, like, way better than I Conjuring. I agree with that. I like Insidious more. Conjuring's good. I've seen it a couple times. Um, I I think it just didn't resonate with me as much as Insidious is, did. Yeah. I think it's just as simple as that. Fun fact, apparently, I, I when I was in Rhode Island, somewhat, we were driving around and someone pointed to a house and said, that's the Conjuring house. So apparently I've seen that. I've never like confirmed it. Yeah. But I just say that I have. Well, and so, okay. So diving into this, we'd recently watched Sinister. We're watching Insidious. And I'm thinking like, I think throughout my film watching, I have kind of written off like this entire genre of movies. So we've, we've previously had some horror. No, no, no. We've previously had some like horror discussions before, but I'd previously written off like kind of haunted house kind of movies or like PG-13 horror mm. or like it needs to be really, quote, artistic. Like it needs to, th this is how I'm, I, and I don't think this anymore, but like if I don't, if the trailer doesn't look the way like Hereditary looks or The Lighthouse, like it's probably not good. And here's what I have to say about that. Well, I wasn't done. Sorry, but. go ahead. <laughs> but um, after watching this movie and stuff, I'm like, I think that that's just... Kind of the same thing that's happened to comedies over the years, where it's just yeah. like people people expect every like uh, it's hard to express, but it's just like this kind of written off genre. Yeah, and unfortunately for comedies, they're dying, yeah. and you're, we're not really getting comedies unless they're straight to Netflix. And then with horror, Jason Blum has single handedly saved the entire genre and kept the fun like B movies that aren't bad, and it's okay to have a B horror movie. This is not a B-horror movie, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I was going to say that the thing of, when it comes to trailers, and I think comedy could be there too, but I'll talk specifically horror. Um, horror trailers cannot be trusted because usually they're good. Usually yeah. the, the trailers, I mean, they do their job. They get you interested in what this is. A lot of times too, because horror has, presents interesting concepts that you don't see in dramas. Mm-hmm. Therefore, every time I watch a horror trailer, it's like, ooh, what's this one <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. be? And then I watch the movie and you have a 50-50% shot of it being one of the worst movies you've ever seen uh -huh. or a really cool movie. There is never... It, it is so hard to, to really know if it's going to be good or not yeah. without watching it. Yeah. Like, I remember when Get Out came out. Uh -huh. um, I don't think I saw a trailer for it but I remember seeing like the cover and I was just like, Oh, this looks like, okay. I don't really understand <laughs> right. what's going on. And I, I think, you know, all I knew was guy comes home and meets his girlfriend's family. Weird stuff happens. And it's like, yeah, okay. That's like your basic, all you need for a thriller, psychological thriller movie. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't really that excited for it because of the, my judgment on the poster. 
Yeah. Um, of course, and I see it, and it's like one of the best that I've seen right. in the last 10 years. That's funny. I've never seen a trailer for that movie. I don't think I have. And if I had, I, it just did not leave an impression on me. But flip side of that. Yeah. That movie, this the new movie Antebellum yes. that just came out. I have not seen. Trailers look super crazy interesting to me. And then I hear that the movie's very whatever. Yeah. It's just so fascinating. And then another example is it comes at night. Yeah. Which we yeah. saw the trailer and it was like, that looks good. Go to the theaters. The movie is so good. It's so good. And that they made the choice of not explaining anything totally. for that movie. Yeah. And when we were in the theater, there were a bunch of teenagers there who hated it. Because it was like a slow, methodical movie. Yeah. And it was not like jump scary. No. At all. Which, I mean, me as a teenager, I probably wouldn't have liked it that much either. Well, I don't know if that's true. Thinking about myself as a teenager. I think it's but, one of those movies that if you'd seen it by yourself, you would have been like, oh, this is so good. Then you go and talk to your friends at school and you're like, have you seen It Comes at Night? And they're all like, oh, that movie's boring. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't like it either. At least that maybe would have happened to me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think that this like style of movie fortunately is really popular right now. I mean, like the Conjuring movies are huge. Yeah. And Jason Blum. So, if you don't know anything about Jason Blum, he is you've this seen guy. The, you've seen the Blumhouse production company. Absolutely. At, at the beginning of at least five movies. Yes. If you watch horror. Um, and he basically has saved the horror genre because what he did is he started producing movies. He's been producing them since the 90s, I believe. But his the, the turn I saw was um, Paranormal Activity. So oh, is he that guy? Yes, he produces Paranormal Activity, and that movie had, like, I believe less than a million-dollar budget. Yep. And then the movie makes so much money. And it's, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't remember. But, but I mean, I'm, it was definitely over $100 million. Mm-hmm. So it makes, like, so much over its budget. And then what he does is he goes, okay, he's not going to do the Kevin Feige Marvel thing where he goes, okay, we're going to make a Marvel movie. Let's do a $150 million budget. He goes... Okay, you want to make a thriller. You want to make a horror movie. This concept's fun. It's good. Here's $10 million. Make your movie. Yeah. They make the movie, and that's that's how all these movies have these like really low budgets, smaller locations, which I think for the most part in horror works better Yeah. when they're a little constrained. Yeah. Sometimes it can show in the CG, but um, like... Like It Chapter 2 had a huge budget, and the movie's horrible because yeah. it's like they had no boundaries. No, totally. Um, and I saw a thing. That's the whole Tim Burton thing, man. <laughs> yes, that, it is. I mean, the guy is given too much. And honestly, I, I love him. Me too. And he was given too much from day one, honestly. Like, it, it's very fascinating to see how into his, and it's interesting to see how in, Disney was so into Tim Burton from the beginning. Yeah. I know he was like a, you know, film did, did, like was a student did all of his work he did all the hard work to get where he was at that time but he was definitely very eccentric and very weird and then disney just gave it to him <laughs> yeah. now we have nightmare for christmas which i know he didn't direct but it's tim burton's nightmare for christmas people um and throughout his career he has made some really fantastic movies such unique movies that we would not have without him yeah and then further on in his career we get just some of the worst movies that's ever been made because the dude is given too much free reign. And the movies where he has a smaller budget are objectively better. Which also goes into the M. Night Shyamalan thing. Yes. Because that guy also has a chip on his shoulder, or did. 
Yeah. So it, it, he has, I, you know, I think sometimes when you bring him up, people are like, oh, yeah, he made the sixth sense. And then he everything he's else he's made is sucks. It sets people forgetting that he's done like signs. Yeah. Fortunately, and, I have noticed that the the change around. I'm seeing this a lot recently, like on Twitter and stuff, yeah. is that people are like M. Night kind of only has like two or three bad movies but I, yeah and i think it's just people like they're like looking you back. and i did that were yeah. like we should go through his filmography and really figure out why we don't think we like him yeah or why we think we don't like him and then we go through most of him and it's like no he's really good he just at one point someone told him that he's the next spielberg so he thought he was and then he made really bad <laughs> yeah, movies yeah. and then he makes you know split which was a wild success and then he makes glass and you find out he like mortgaged his home in order to make yeah. it. And he, he was, I he think had was, to have some skin in the he game. He had to have skin in the game to do it. And it's just crazy that someone that big made that choice. Cause I feel like people, even someone that big would be too scared to yeah. even yeah. put that much personal stake in it. Well, and, and the, also the key with him, even though I think this, this is one of his like three stinkers, the visit is he went and he was like, I have to do like a low budget movie because the, the budget on that movie, I think, is under 10. I think that makes sense on the visit. And the movie sucked. It was bad, but it, it's almost like he had to go back to basics. Yeah. Like relearn. And then he comes out with Split, which is great. Yeah. And then Glass, which some people don't think is great. And if you don't think that you are actually wrong, <laughs> because as they say on Blank Check, the movie's a Glaster piece. It rules. And then he's coming out with Old, I believe, next year. He started filming the the week that we started recording this. You know this. what that's about? I have no idea. And I don't care. Who's in it? I don't know. Okay. Let's just go see it. Um, I'm sure we'll see a ton of trailers before yeah. that one comes out. But um, yeah, I, I know that um, if if you are curious more... So so the Jason Bloom, he, he puts low... He makes more movies with lower budgets so that he doesn't have to be like, Oh man, if Captain America Civil War fails, like we're we're ruined this year. Yeah. It's like, okay, if out of these ten movies, two of them suck, but one of them hits, or even nine of them suck, but one of them hits, we make all our money back and yeah. we can make more movies. And and in a lot of ways it gives uh up and coming directors more of a chance. Yeah. And James Wan spoke about it on the like a uh, about a making of for this movie and he, and he said it when they have that low of a budget, or actually this was in the production notes, but when they have that low of a budget, in a lot of ways, they the director has more um, creative control because yeah. they have to have everything so planned out and so ready to go that like if, if you're making a movie on a $15 million budget, maybe, for example, you can't cut scenes because that was all you could afford and you can't do reshoots. Yeah. you know stuff like that so yeah. it's like it is the director's vision yeah that really gets to be showcased you would think a lower budget would negate that but but he was saying that it doesn't in in this and case. i i gotta say to pe people we need bad movies we do need we bad movies need we are living in an ecosystem where you have the top of the food chain and the bottom of the food chain and it feels like because we've been talking about this the last couple of years because it seems like the oscars are just getting crazier and crazier and crazier like great movies are still coming out that's why in a lot of ways 2020 thank goodness for movies in that way that nothing can come out like a little break yeah, yeah. because the over the last couple of years it just feels like i am so overwhelmed by like all the things you need to see because everything is so good yeah we need stinkers <laughs> you do need because stinkers. we you gotta it's gotta be a little diverse in that way and then also 
you got to watch a bad movie every now and then. You yeah. have to. You have well, to. you can't enjoy a sunny day without a couple of rainy ones. Exactly. And sometimes it's worth just putting it upon yourself, taking a chance in a movie that you heard was bad and just th- do, oh, I'll watch it anyway and think for myself. Right. And maybe you don't like it like everyone else does, but at least you can think about why you don't like it. And it's also fun to think of how it could be better. Yes. Um, fortunately, we don't have to worry about this in a, in, for this movie. True. Oh, oh, but one last thing. If if you, uh, Griffin Newman from Blank Check, hopefully future guest someday, I don't know, just putting it out into the ether, uh, he he always states that he wants someone to come along, a Jason Bloom, but for comedy, since yeah. the comedy is dying. And if you want to hear a very long, extensive, great discussion about comedies and the industry today for comedy films, listen to Blank Check's episode on used cars. It came out like a month ago. And it's uh, it has Jason Manzukas and Paul Shear on it, and they talk about the current state of comedy for over two hours. Uh, you can just skip like an hour ahead, and they talk about it. And it was like it, it was like a crash course in like understanding the industry. Would highly recommend yeah. if you if you like the nitty gritty of yeah. of things. And if you listen to this podcast, you probably do. <laughs> but um, should we jump into the movie? Yeah. So we already know it is directed by James Wan and that it's written by Lee Winnell, who has done Saw 2, Saw 3 writing. What has uh, he directed? He's Lee Winnell. He has written, well, one second. Okay. He's written The Mule, which was the movie that had, I forget the guy's name. I'll tell you right now. Um, Angus Sampson. Angus Sampson. That's right. That guy's name is Angus. <laughs> makes sense. And you look at him and you're like, yeah, that guy's name That's is Angus. Angus. Um, who has that, and it's a movie about him shoving drugs up his butt, based on a true story. And then the FBI, like, uh, putting him in a hotel room, and he, they're they're waiting for him to, like, poop out the drugs. And there is a scene, there is a scene in it where he poops them out, and then he eats them again, because he doesn't want to get caught with the drugs. Yeah. It's insane. Let's stop talking Um, about that. I've I've seen it. Uh, (laughs) And he wrote all of the Insidious movies. But he also directed... I believe the number one movie of 2020, The Invisible Man. Yeah. Um, and he also we need directed to watch that. I know we do. I have it on hold at the library. Um, he directed a movie that I loved from I think 2018, Upgrade, which rules, and they're developing a TV show for it. I don't know if you knew that. I heard about that. Um, which for who could be cool. It could be. For who? I don't know who it is. Is it still have? I don't know. I haven't really. I, I haven't looked into any of it. I hope that it's a continuation. That would be cool, and I hope it's like on HBO, because I would think you couldn't really. I would take a TV show from that movie. Yeah. Sure. I the way that movie ended made me think you can leave it here and it's great, but it could it could really use a sequel where you could do a lot of other cool stuff. I want more from that kid. The kid, oh, the like the blonde haired kid, knockoff guy. Yeah, he was, and good. that's really mean to say, but that's the only thing I can think of because he reminds me of Dane DeHaan. Yeah, but dude, being more stuff, hire yeah. him. And and we're start we're I think uh, Logan Marshall Green, you and I are like kind of crazy about. He's cool. Knockoff Tom Hardy. Yes, it sounds mean to say that, but that's the best thing I can think of because he looks just like tom hardy what's funny is he does look just like tom hardy and in the same year tom hardy was in venom which is about like something that kind of takes yeah. over and controls your actions and a lot of people joked that upgrade was the good venom movie <laughs> uh big logan logan marshall green recommend the invitation 
That's Which a is good a psychological one. thriller. He's You're welcome very good in that on movie. Netflix. <laughs> um, so then we have uh, music by Joseph Bashara, and he did the music for Annabelle Comes Home, The Conjuring, um, VHS, and also he is the demon in this movie. Which, the lipstick demon or whatever. Li- yeah, which seems like a lame name for him. But Well, um, apparently the creature, the demon, puts lipstick on its face. Oh. That's why its face is red. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought that just was what it was. No, that's, like it. Apparently, apparently that's what it is. And apparently, and I, I just write about this. I don't really know if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when there's that red handprint by his foot. Yeah. It's not blood, it's lipstick. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we should also note my joke in the movie is that the instead that that they had Darth Maul in the movie. So cue the laughter for that. Uh cinematography by John R. Leonetti, who has done The Dawn and Grit, and also uh David M. Brewer, who goes on to do the cinematography for Insidious 2, Piranha 3D, The Scorpion King, and Joe Dirt. <laughs> okay um movie comes out april 1st 2011 and the budget of this movie is so i think i was probably overstating things when i said jason bloom gives people like 10 million dollar budgets maybe he does that now but not back then the budget for this movie is 1.5 million (gasps) dollars oh i thought you were gonna say a lot more than 10 million dollars no that's it and they put all that makeup on people yeah for that much money I mean that that just shows how good James Wan is, really. And Lee Winnell. Yeah. Because he wrote the darn thing. Yeah. That's nuts. Also, I guess there was like a sequence when Patrick Wilson goes into the um I forgot what they called the further. it. Further. The further that was supposed to be him like floating and stuff. Um, and I think they even shot it, but they cut it from the movie. Or they were about to shoot it or something because they felt like it distracted and like took focus out of where they were trying to head the movie. Oh. Which I could totally see that. I kind of like the simplicity of him just walking out into like fog. I loved that. I loved it. People get like so, especially now, it's like we can do all these crazy special effects. And sometimes, like Occam's Razor, the simplest explanation is the best one. Well, to me, it's he's going into the void. So, yeah. so that's all it should be is just black. Yeah. And, and then when he gets to his, their house, it is what is presented to him, what it, what he needs, what he needs. And that's why he finds it. Yeah. It's um, cool. So the movie makes 50, remember, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember $1.5 million budget. So the movie makes $54 million domestically and then worldwide it, it makes 99.5. Unreal. And, um... Okay, so Juan proved... Okay. Uh, they shot the movie in three weeks. Yeah. Also unreal. Yeah. Um, um, much of the score was improvised and structured in the edit. Cool. Which is cool. It does have kind of that feel to it. Um, and then James Wan would take Ty, the kid actor, and he would show them like Joseph Bashara putting his makeup on and talking to him the whole time. So Loved, that, I love hearing about that stuff. Yeah. So that the kid, cause he said he would get kind of scared in certain scenes and stuff. And so he, he, then there was even footage of them like hanging out and talking and then James Wan being like, see, look at these nails. Look, they pop right off. Look at that. Look at that. Do I you see that? that? Like, it's totally fake. Isn't that kind of cool? And the kid's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is cool. He's crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what I got for the movie. Um, 
What was I going to say? Let's just not forget, before it ends, I want us to talk about what we want in future movies. Yeah. So let's make okay. sure we cover that. Hmm. What was I going to say, though? I'll remember it eventually. So we have, like we have already said, Patrick Wilson, which we have not covered before. We've not covered him. No. How weird is guys, that? Guys, guys, this is a Patrick Wilson household. Yeah. We love this guy. He is so good. Um, it's funny that he is in it just a ton of horror movies. He is James Wan's guy, for one. Yeah. He's in Saw, right? I don't know. Because I think he's in I don't all that. of his movies, just about. Or, like, all of his big ones. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. But he's also in Watchmen. He is the owl character. Um, he is also in In the Tall Grass, which is a recent, relatively recent Netflix, Stephen King and Joe Hill wrote it together, and it is really good, and I actually have a hard time looking at Patrick Wilson after that movie because he was really crazy weird in it, okay. but in a, like he did his job. He did a good job. He's he's not in okay. Saw, sorry. He's also in Fargo season two. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, wonderful. He's also, like we said, an Aquaman, the nun, the conjuring. Um, he's, he's like one of the main guys in the conjuring. He's the hub yeah um he's also in a movie hard candy with let's see who directed that uh ellen page directed it no he's in it oh with ellen page and that movie is nuts man like i don't recommend that movie to many people would you recommend it to me your husband i don't know if you would like it that much okay it's pretty insane um violence wise well, i'm more of a well i'm more of a chocolate candy guy anyway which is soft as soft as far as candy goes it is about the candy industry, oh, okay, right? Okay, okay, yes. Because um, I don't. No, it's not. I mean, I do like a good Jolly Rancher, but he's I also mean, in Batman v Superman, so that makes sense. He's POTUS. Oh yeah, he's the president, and of then the he's United an Aquaman. Oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's so stupid. Oh, that would have messed up franchise on so we, many levels. We really and and please tell us. Uh, it's just we really need to cover that series. The, the DC series. I think I think next year we're going to have to do it. Because it's too weird not to talk about. Yeah. Jordan's not happy about it. <sighs> okay. Also in this movie is Rose Byrne. Uh, she oh, is... But I'm sorry. Oh, one, okay. one more thing. I just have to say that they have now officially said... Because, you know, there's been the whole Snyder Cut crap with yeah. um, Justice League. That's for the audience, if they forgot. Um, and he... It's it's just funny because it's always been presented as this is a real thing that exists, but they have officially announced that um, Zack Snyder will be um, use, taking $70 million to finish the cut for reshoots and stuff. So Is this, that his own money? No, that's HBO's money. Didn't this guy get in trouble? No. Who am I thinking of? I don't I'm know. I'm thinking of the Queen guy. He actually the Bohemian Rhapsody guy. He left Justice League because of a family tragedy. That's right. I'm thinking yeah. of Yes. Who we he we shall not be named on this podcast yeah, sorry. along with uh um what's his name, who's the producer with Quentin Tarantino. We don't have No he oh. who shall not be named. <laughs> okay. We'll have to bleep that out. Um anyway, it's just funny because the fans of Zack Snyder have always presented it as this is a thing that exists. And then he comes out and he's like, yes, this thing really exists. I'm just going to need $70 million to finish it, which means it never existed in the no, first place. That the is Zack so Snyder much cut. money. We're talking about a movie right now that cost $1.5 million to make and it was a massive <laughs> success. And this guy needs $70 million to re-edit a movie that already exists. I'm and done to talking do about it. Go ahead. Okay. Rose Byrne. 
she is in Bridesmaids, Neighbors, Spy, um, Like a Boss, which came out last year, I think. That looked pretty not great. Um, she's also in Peter Rabbit. Um, I Oh, she said Peter Rabbit. <laughs> I Love You, Daddy is another movie. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse, Neighbors 2. She's in so much, guys. She's also in Annie, the remake, obviously. Um, then Ty Simpkins, which we have covered because he's in Jurassic World. Yeah, the kid in Jurassic World. This is kind of like his first, though, right? Yeah. Because I think it's like he does this, then he does Iron Man 3, then he does yeah. Jurassic World. Um, and then he shows up at the end of um, Avengers Endgame at I, a Tony's funeral, and everyone's like, who's that guy? Because he looks know, a lot different now. Um, then we have Lynn Shea, who plays Elise Rainier, who is the medium. Cool. Um, she is in Dead End. Dead End, There's Something About Mary, um, Penny Dreadful, Dreamcatcher with a K. What is this? <laughs> oh, that looks bad. Um, she's in The Grudge. She's in Ambition, Get Gone, Room for Rent. She's in a lot of horror. She's a horror, old horror lady. Uh, yeah, she works for that. I, I really like her in the movie. There's a couple points where she like threads the needle between like cheese ball and horror i love it but i kind of feel like that's perfect for that role yeah um i i like everyone's performance in the movie and and you know what is nice is the the two guys that come in angus and lee winnell that come in to like look and inspect the house with the gadgets they have like humor Mm mm-hmm well, we'll talk about that. Okay. So, like Micah said, Lee Winnell, director of Upgrade and The Invisible Man, but also an actor in Saw, Cooties, Aquaman. Oh, he's an Aquaman. Cargo pilot. Yeah, I saw he has, like, a lot of acting The Bye Bye Man. I, th- I think he's one of the guys in Saw that's, like, in the room. He is. In the... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Hmm. Okay. And then Angus Sampson, who is also in Fargo Season 2, who is <laughs> in Mad true. Max... What? Fury Road. He's in Mad Max Fury Road? I'm finding who he plays. Or the organic mechanic. Hmm. The, I'm going to look it yeah. up while you... <laughs> I um, know he's in is. Winchester. No activity. We are the walking... No, wait. He's in The Walking Dead. That poster's misleading. I guess he plays Ozzy. I did not get that far to see him. Um, he's in. Oh, Bruce. he's like the guy that like tattoos him at the beginning of the movie. That's right. That's so obvious. That's yeah. cool. Or no, he he has a a hearing thing on a baby. I don't know. It's very obvious he's in the movie when you when I looked up pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence so doesn't really help that's anybody. Him. And then we also have Barbara Hershey who plays R- Lorraine, um, Patrick Wilson's mom. Oh yeah. She's in Black Swan. She's in Falling Down. Paradise Lost, The X-Files, Damien, Once Upon a Time, a lot of TV shows. What? Oh, I was like, she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, Once Upon a Time, the TV show. Yeah. And then Andrew Astor, who plays the other brother. Yeah. Um, I guess he's in The Hangover. Really? He plays Eli. He must be one of the kids in that movie. Yeah. Um, also Infiltration and The Middle. Oh, okay. And that's about it. Okay, so let's jump into the movie now. Okay. So the movie starts with, um, it's showing like the house and it's like pictures of the house, but the there's like 
scary things that are happening in each picture. Pretty long title sequence. Yeah. Or credit sequence. I thought was pretty cool. It yeah. kind of like sets the stage. And what I think is really smart about it, had I not read the Netflix description because we had such trouble loading this movie. Yeah. Because um, I don't like to read them. Is it kind of spoils some stuff about the movie that yeah. was a bummer because it says like people think their house is haunted, but it's really their son. Enjoy this movie, which I was like, <laughs> that's so, the thing that I want to figure out. I know because this movie does something what, later on that I thought was actually a stroke of brilliance, mm -hmm. but I, I kind of knew it would happen because of the description, is the description. But it, it, what's cool about this sequence of showing the photographs and, and not the photographs, but the, the video and weird things happening is you're like, you're like primed. You're like, okay, this is a haunted house. That is what you think when you watch it. And you're like, okay, I'm ready to watch a haunted house. And then when the move, like after the, the title sequence and all that, you see a family in a house with boxes everywhere. They're moving in. Classic. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, this it movie is for does sure a lot of, well, for funny enough, I would say most of the movie is showing and not telling until uh -huh. we get to the astral plane exposition right um which i am just love that they mm -hmm. spent so little time like they don't i don't know just so little was explained to you because this first half of the movie you've seen this all before yeah so it doesn't need to be explained to you so you see all these boxes around and then because rose Byrne and patrick wilson are good actors you see you you understand how their marriage functions and how like their kids are like he you, you know, through cues and dialogue, uh, they move to this new house. He's a teacher. She is taking time off work to work on music, which is a passion of hers. But she's which also a stay-at-home mom. I thought was kind of a fun, different thing. This, like, she wasn't a writer or something yeah. like that, which is, like, always the Stephen King thing. Yeah. Um, and as a songwriter, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's, like, yeah. And that's nice. I, I felt like that. that's nice that the husband is like trying to work so that she can write songs. Yeah. That's kind but of a fresh do, idea. You can kind of tell that he it seems a little bit absent. Yes. Uh, men mentally, like like he's not all there. Like he's always thinking about other things. Right. Um, so, and I would think that re-watching this movie, that stuff would pop even more. Yeah. Once you know that he has these connections with the astral yes. stuff, you can see how he's like detaching from these situations that are happening. Yes, because like in the beginning, she's looking through a photo album and her son's with her and he's asking her like, he wants to see pictures of dad when he was a kid and she says she doesn't have any because he just is not good at taking pictures. Could never right. st sit still enough to take a picture. All this, all these excuses. And, um, and they did the great thing, I thought, where like she said that and I was like, oh, remember that. That's important. Yeah. But the movie waits just long enough to where you forget about it and then... Uh, then they say it that that he's not in pictures and they explain why and then you're like oh yeah she said that at the beginning which is like I guess that's like an improv trick where you like wait till the yeah. audience forgets the joke and then you bring it back and it's like brilliant yep it's pretty cool mm -hmm. um, so then um, Rose Byrne goes up into the attic and she like kind of hears some weird stuff and, and the house is kind of groaning and it's weird but it's not like it's not too weird though yeah, it's you know, all it's pretty like, explainable stuff. Oh, this house stuff. is new to me. I'm not quite comfortable in it yet. That's how it feels. Um, I really appreciate because they do have a baby, and I can't handle baby stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that they just take the baby right out of the equation as things develop further by <laughs> putting her with a sitter. <laughs> it's like, yeah. thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. But the the cool thing about it is like, you know, that she has to take care of three kids. 
um, while your husband works and um, the baby monitor thing comes into effect, which is always creepy. It's never oh, not yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. creepy. So she, th- th- I think this is one of the creepiest parts of the whole movie, actually. Um, so she's playing piano. I know I'm skipping stuff, but um, the she starts hearing some weird noises on the baby monitor. She stops playing. She's kind of moving to get a clearer connection with the baby monitor, uh, hearing definite whispers. But I don't know if you couldn't, but I couldn't make anything out. No, no, no. So you're just hearing potential whispers. And then at the lo- she's turning up the volume. The whispers get a little bit louder, but it's still just like crackly. And then you hear a man like growl. Say like, help me, help me, or something weird like that. Something. It, and it was just, oh my gosh. Yeah. I hated that. I hated that. So of course she runs up to the room and the baby's fine. I mean, baby's crying, but like no one's there. No one's there. in the room. Yeah. So that's like the first weird thing that happened. But I think actually before, yeah, before that, um, Ty goes up into the attic. I think it's after. I, I wrote in oh, the notes. It okay. is before. Um, and you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, he goes up into the attic because he hears something, and then he falls off of this ladder, and you you catch a glimpse of Darth Maul, and you're like, Do you? Yes, you do. He's like in the corner. Oh, I missed it. And um, and like John Both Williams' times. score, Duel of the Fates plays, and you're okay, like, Micah. Okay, here we go. Qui Gon Jinn, Obi Wan Kenobi. This this is only for mike now at this point yeah these star wars references but anyway so you see darth maul for a second and then they grab ty and he hit his head hit his head and now he's in a coma then you just flash to they're at a hospital and the doctor is like we don't know what's going on he's in a coma yep and they just have him in the house and he's just in a coma like the whole pretty much the whole movie and the acting is really good there too further because it's showing despair with the parents um especially rose because it's we spend a lot of time with her because she is the one that's kind of like left with this because she is a stay-at-home mom um and then more weird things kind of start happening um one of my favorites and one of the scariest i thought is when she's talking to the brother and oh what his brother says yeah and he's like he's like can i change rooms i just get i don't like when um i don't like when my brother walks around at night who's been in a coma yeah. the whole time and you're like ooh, ooh that's yeah. not good and then there's another moment when she goes to check on the baby and there is a man standing behind the crib the, well, but that, behind like the yeah the like i don't know what it is something hanging from the ceiling and i'm you're just like oh no 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 <laughs> but that one is cool because um you know of course one of one of the things you have to do with horror movies that i don't think is talked about as much as it should be is the sound. Yes. The sound is so important. So you have in that scene, like there's like a thump. Mm. Okay, we hear thumps all the time. And then Patrick Willems goes downstairs. and Patrick he, Willems? Uh, Patrick Wilson goes <laughs> yeah. downstairs and he shines a light because it sounded like someone knocked on their door. He's not seeing anybody. He goes upstairs and then the alarm starts going off. So you're having this really annoying yeah. sound. And he goes downstairs and they... That you know sounds it's like just this so much dread. You just feel yeah, so yeah. much dread as he's walking around the house because that you know at this point in horror movie, like it's it's long enough in time that we are used to jump scares being a common thing. Yeah. So we are. And just, there aren't any in this movie. Not really. And we're you know you are conditioned to uh, wait for that to happen. And usually, and this is kind of a common thing in horror movies, um, music is really, and I'm not talking about this movie, but just others. Yeah. Mu- music is very loud, and then it stops. 
couple seconds go by. Jump scare. Yeah. If you are ever, if you hate jump scares, just always wait think, till it's quiet. Wait till it's quiet. <laughs> take a deep breath, and then it'll happen. I that's what I do. Yeah. And I or don't jump. If you're it, chapter two, the music swells, and then it gets quiet. You open something. It's a joke. And then you turn around again, and it's the bad guy. Or that, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie, though, specifically the scene with him going around the house, and like you're talking about these really loud noises, and then silence because he turns the alarm off, searching, you're just feeling but dread. When, when he comes down, the scary part to me is he comes back downstairs after checking, and the door's wide open. Oh, not good. And not the good. alarm's going off. Yeah. That's not good. Not good. And then it goes off again. And then he shuts it, and it goes off and opens again, I think. And goes off, and then that's when she runs upstairs, and there's the sees person the, in sees the, the man. Yeah, the man in the room, and um, all of that is really good, really effective. Um, and and yeah, I like that it doesn't rely on jump scares. It's more like, wait, did you see that? Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah, it's more of that. Like, no, 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 no. And I think what I what I like about Patrick's character is he. He he very much I think he really does believe his wife. That's why he's not. That's why he is avoiding coming home. Yeah. Because of that experience. Yeah, and he 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 does believe her, but it's like I I I guess I always think of myself in that situation and it's like, well, what would I do? Well, it's that fight or flight response. He yeah. is fleeing by not yeah. coming home, by staying till as school teacher staying at school until eleven thirty at night. Right, which he has jigsaw the character from saw on his chalkboard, which was yes. a fun little Easter egg. Yeah. But you're just seeing that he's avoiding it. And she's like, we have to, we need to move. Uh-huh. And I like how he's like, okay, we'll move. Yeah. So they move. And this is when I was like, that's so cool because that's the whole thing. When you're watching a horror movie, you're like, they should just move. They should just move. They should just move. So they move. Everything. The, the, you didn't find anything about the lighting in this movie, how it would change randomly. I didn't. You think I think that was just me, a budget thing. Keep talking. Let me see if I can. No, it it seemed very. It happened at very, certain very like emotional odd. beats. But uh, yeah, so when they get to this new house, one thing that is really cool is the style of house is one hundred percent different than the other one. So it's just totally fresh and new. Um, th- everything I, I say, in, I would say in this house too, there is much more natural light. So you're feeling like they made the right call by doing this by moving into this new house um and it's just showing them going through the normal motions of unpacking um patrick wilson's mom is there now helping them unpack and she makes a comment because she sees a a picture of patrick wilson like of the family and she's like man i can't believe you got him to hold still long enough to to take this picture and um it's a little odd but not odd enough that you're gonna like really care about it you know what i mean right it's like oh yeah he he's just doesn't like his picture being taken. Um, and I do appreciate too, that the mom tells her that she tells Rose that you are not making, you're not crazy by moving. You are not crazy. Yeah. So stop thinking that you might be crazy because she feels guilty. I didn't see anything on the lighting. Okay. Um, yeah. So you were talking about the mom. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I was just trying to get, I think it's just a, maybe a budget thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think they were doing it for an emotional purpose, though. I don't think that they it were just, just so randomly... dramatic, and I've never seen it like that before. Yeah, but it seemed to happen at, like, revelations in the movie. I he... just don't... I didn't care for it. Oh, I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, okay. Um, maybe maybe they just... It's a little distracting. Yeah. I thought it was cool, and I, I, I am going to stand by that, okay? okay whatever. So what... <laughs> uh, so, they're unpacking. 
and she puts on a record and it's classical music and then oh my gosh i hate this part but i love it so she's walking through the house doing stuff cleaning up stuff and she walks through like the mud room and you i i think a lot of like if i don't know i just it's a very easy thing to miss in a very good way because in the corner of the screen like the corner there is a little boy facing the wall yeah and it's a little yeah. boy dressed and it was like a period piece it like looks like the, oliver or something yeah it like like mid, like the beginning of the 20th century yeah kid uh works at a, in the coal mine like a little street urchin yes and it is wrong <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, it becomes wrong further because so she's uh goes outside to take out the trash and at this point the music changes on the record yeah, um, and it changes to, to the, Tiny Tim doing the tulip song that how does it go? Wa- a tiptoe among the tulips. I don't remember how it goes, but it's this very like, like oh, it is so wrong. So um, it is, but it is so well done. So that happens, and I think it's really cool. So she, the camera stays inside, and she's outside, and she walks her by one window, and then when she gets to the other window, the music stops. Because she notices it and looks yeah. inside, empty, back to playing the weird, the normal music. She's walking back. Song changes again because she's in the other window. Yeah, back to Tiny Tim, and then she looks through the window and sees the little boy, period piece boy, dancing in front of the record player, and it like makes my stomach hurt to look at it because it's and just this is wrong. When she's like, oh no, like it wasn't the house. Yeah, why is this happening? Yeah, so she's uh, kind of chasing this boy through the house. Yeah. And he yeah. disappears, obviously. Uh-huh. Um and um we didn't mention this, but early before they moved houses, she noted I think this was the kind of the catalyst to moving was she found a a, a presumably bloody handprint on her uh, comatose son's bed. That's right. On the day where that man was walking out on the porch and oh. then walks into her house oh. it, so but good. like without missing a beat. That yep. was a weird one. So so good. And it was the same guy who that was in the baby's room. Yeah. Such a good it's just such a good argument for practical effects because yes. I really feel like the scares in this, even compared to The Conjuring, which I do think The Conjuring is a pretty good movie, but it, I think it relies like probably 20% too much on CGI. Sure. Um, and some yeah. of that like hasn't aged super well, whereas this movie, like it still looked like great to me. And this is why... 10 years later. This is something that... Um, I don't know. So in horror movies... This is something that I've learned through writing. Uh, terror, you want to terrorize your audience, not horrify them. Uh-huh. Horrifying them is like, uh, well, just as an example, Saw. That's horrific. Yeah. Um, so that's people mutilating themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, terror is something that is wrong. So an example, a, a example is you walk into your home and everything's the same except... Um, like your bookshelf is completely disorganized. Yeah, that's But weird. you didn't know what, like you didn't do it. Right. This movie, for example, she is in a normal home, 21st century, you know, this is the time period we're in. And there is a, a turn of the century boy, dirty boy walking around the house. Yeah, that is yeah. wrong. That shouldn't yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah. Or for example, a man in a baby's room, like a brooding man whose face looks kind of messed up. Wrong. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what this movie does, and that's why this movie is so good, in my opinion, because uh-huh. it's terrifying the audience, not right. horrifying the audience. Um, 
So further into the movie, so she's realizing, okay, something is really messed up. So she um, tells, oh yeah, she gets Patrick Wilson's mom to come back. He comes home and they're sitting at the table and they're like, we need to talk. It's yeah. happening again. Uh-huh. And um, they're explaining everything to him and he is just like, you know, he doesn't, he's borderline calling her crazy, but he doesn't want to call his wife crazy. Yeah. And it's just trying, like you said, his character is written very well. He is, in a lot of ways, he is sympathetic. Like, it's mm-hmm. easy to sympathize with his plight because he's not being a jerk to her yeah. in a lot of ways. But um, And I think he wants to believe. I think so, he too. He just doesn't know how. Exactly. But his mom says that she had that dream. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Uh, no. <laughs> so she has a dream about this house, uh... And she, this house that they have just moved into, and I think she had the dream like before they moved into it. Um, and she's walking around the house. She ends up in their comatose son's room, and she sees a shadowy figure. And she's asking, "What do you want?" And it points to her son, to the, her grandson. Yeah. So you can tell that the grandma is just full on believes Rose. Yeah. And it's almost like, why would she be so believing? So then she suggests that they hire this crew who is like a paranormal crew. Yes. So now the paranormal crew shows up. And what's really nice is the movie's been kind of a fever pitch at this point where you're like, this is pretty scary. And I think this is really smart. So Lee Winnell and Angus show up and they're like kind of goofballs. And there's like, it it doesn't go like way too over the top. They're just kind of like, you know, one of them's trying to explain stuff and the other one's undercutting the other person. And it's kind of like, they almost feel like yeah. they're brothers, that yep. kind of dynamic. And it's interesting that we we mentioned this when we were watching it, that now they decide to put in the comedy, yeah. the, the comic relief. Why do you think they did that? And I think that they did it, one, they probably just naturally felt that way when they were writing those characters, yeah. especially Lee Winnell being the writer. He might know what he's good at. And be yeah. Like, we can do these fun jokes and stuff. But I think what's great about it is it kind of like, it puts you back at ease with the movie. And it also is like a nice tonal shift. Yeah. So you're kind of like, okay, <sighs> okay, you get a little breath of fresh air. So then when it starts happening again, it's scary. And then also seeing like these schmoes that are kind of like schlocking around and kind of being goofy when they're scared, it's like, oh. Yeah, because they're bickering and all that stuff. Because, you know, this is their job. They do this every day. Yeah. So it's like, okay, they, they called in the experts. Yeah. We're going to get this figured out. And then eventually, you know, they're looking around and they see some weird stuff, but then they call in like the medium lady. Mm-hmm. And when she Elise is her name. Yes, when when Elise comes in, she goes, "Hey, um Patrick Wilson, you look you you've grown so much." Which I was kind of like, "Oh, that's weird." But then I thought, "Oh no." So the grandma suggested this lady. Yeah. So so they must have been friends or something, but he kind of is confused by that. And then this was one of the coolest parts in the movie. She goes into the comatose room and she starts whispering to Lee Winnell like what she is seeing. Yeah, he's drawing what and she's And he's describing. drawing really fast, and she's whispering like this. And the only thing you really hear at first is she's like, blood red face. And yeah. And he's like, what? She's like, blood red face. And she kind of like grabs him without looking at him. Yeah. And, and she's like, and and the parents are standing there, and they're like, what is it? What is it? And then you see the picture, and it's Darth Maul like oh in the corner yeah. like a bat kind of like overlooking the... On the page, though, because yes. she's staring up at the ceiling, and the ceiling fan is obstructing our view. Yes. Of it. So then um, Rose sees the picture and looks up at the ceiling and is like, what turns on the light? And there's nothing there. 
Yeah, and I I like how we don't he we only see the picture of him in there. So she like saw into it another just dimension. It further sinks that dread into yeah. you, and it's it's really good because it really pays off. Yeah, because I think uh, a lesser director or script would have made that like a big scene, like a big jump scene. And, and earlier too, I I thought it was a nice touch when um grandma, mom, and dad sitting around the table, and she's telling about her dream, and the lipstick demon is right behind. Yes. Uh, Patrick Wilson's head, like right behind it. And it's kind of a split second thing. And I would say that character is up there with Pennywise in terms of, I can't look away. It's so, oh, interesting. I know I was like, I love how little you see him, but I was like, I want to see him more. I He's know. cool. It's really interesting. Um, but then they do this weird, like gas mask seance thing where she puts on, they put on like these things and they're communicating. Well, this is after she explains that the yeah, sun... Yeah, we, you're skipping over the uh, little astral plane okay. stuff. Okay, but they, they explain that the sun is like, has been astral, like going out of his body and having out-of-body experiences. And he's really good at it. He's been he's, doing it forever. Yeah, and then he's lost. So this is this is where it feels very um, poltergeist to me because it's, yes. it's almost like the daughter gets trapped in the TV. Yep. And I even saw in the trivia that they were saying I didn't read it, but it said something about like the similarities between Poltergeist. I don't even and think you movie. need to like look up to know if yeah. this is an homage to that movie because it, it is. It is, yeah. And um, which, if you want a great horror movie, that's a really great one. It is, and a lot of weird production on that movie because it is one of the most cursed productions, yeah. ever in film. And and it's and it's pretty sad actually. It's also yes, it is. It's also weird because Toby Hooper directed it, but by all accounts, everyone's pretty sure that Steven Spielberg mostly directed the movie, but was under contract to finish E. T. and not work on another movie, so he wasn't allowed to. Yeah. So I hope one day we find out the truth behind that, but I'm sure both Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg can't really say. Yeah. Maybe when one of them dies, the other one will say, but but I would assume if like Spielberg died, Toby Hooper would be like, yeah, I did all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if if Spielberg took credit, I would believe him because okay. he has no reason to take credit for it. Yeah. I would think because yeah. he's Spielberg. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, we won't be covering that movie. Well, actually, I think there are like sequels. Maybe we there will are someday. Yeah. Um, and I think Patrick Wilson is in the remake hmm. that they did recently. Gotta love um, it. But anyway, so the son is astral, like, leaving his body, and Patrick Wilson hears about this, and he's like, no, you can't just, like, you're taking advantage of us, and you're trying to, you know, you're taking advantage of us, here's $600 bill. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I just gotta say, I love the concept, because when the premise is all set up and the kid's in the coma, and you know the supernatural stuff has something to do with him, and it's like, man, when he fell from that ladder something like or like that thing got into him or something and it's just so cool that it's the the whole coma and falling from the ladder thing is just a coincidence because this is something he has been doing for years already so it was a matter of time really that he would have gotten lost yes at some point yeah um i just i love it in stories when that stuff kind of works out because you're always kind of like it's because of that thing and it's like not really he's already been doing it right you can't really cite that as the inciting incident not really I just, it's just a fun little touch that I like. Yeah. Um, and the astral projection, astral plane thing is just like so interesting to me too. I love in horror movies, especially supernatural stuff, when they bring in that scientific element to it. It is as like, um, 
it's just always just like it, yeah. it brings credibility to it to me. Totally. Not that I'm saying I believe in this the further thing or anything, but like it it just provides just a it grounds the movie. It grounds the story. Yeah. Great. And so they've discovered all that and then Patrick Wilson, I keep on wanting to say Willems, goes into his son's bedroom and he doesn't believe it. You didn't just say this, did you? Cuz I was trying to send those texts. Um just he, keep talking. He goes into the the bedroom and he's like, "I don't believe it." And then he oh, sees no, his son's drawings where yeah. he like flies away and it says like, "I watched myself sleep last night." And then I flew away. Yeah, and and then he's like, "I I like how it's very quick." And he's like, "Okay, I believe this." And then that's when they do the gas mask séance, and they're communicating with the son. Cool. They set up all of these cameras that are rigged to um, automatically take pictures when uh, is it the temperature changes. Or is it something? Uh, oh, else? I didn't hear them specify when. I was just like, oh, it's taking pictures. I when think weird it's stuff some is type happening. of energy, you know, energy changes in the air, so it snaps a picture. Yeah. Also, but meanwhile, as that's happening, just visually so striking. Yeah. That these flashes are going off throughout the scene, um, and it starts slow, and then it gets a lot really fast. Yeah. But meanwhile, the Angus guy is um, videotaping the whole yes. thing. Yes. Yes. And so this part is just like kind of nuts, and they fi- oh, they wait, find we have out to that the sun two though. The she so she explains the further, which is what she calls it. Yeah. Um, which is where her their son is lost in. Oh. And yeah. it's uh, really dangerous because now his physical body is a vessel, and he has gotten to the point where the dead are like the dead. So they're feeling his energy, and they are drawn to him. So they are drawn to his physical body. So they are. Um, that's why they're quote-unquote house is haunted because these um dead people are attracted to his body and are trying to find it but they're not strong enough to necessarily completely possess him however there are demons who are strong enough to possess his body and that is what they crave that's why they want him Um, cool concept really cool concept love it so it's it's a fun it's a fun twist on like um possession yes so um specifically the red lipstick demon which is you know apparently some terrible demon yeah is the one that is um close to possessing him which Uh in this scene he does yes um and and so then you know all that stuff happens and then base then they 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 say like patrick when you were a kid you did the same thing and when we took pictures of you there was this woman in like a wedding dress, I think. Like a black. I mean, it looked like a funeral. And she kept getting outfit. closer and closer with every picture taken of him. Yeah. And you're like, uh-oh. And so basically, that's the connection. And he has to go into the astral plane to go find his son. Because his yes. son is lost. I love all that. That's cool. I, I felt a, a tiny bit blindsided by like the... the like it, it When I was watching it, it felt a little like, okay... But then ha- after seeing the whole movie and everything, I was like, no, no, no. They earned that. They earned the, whole the, picture the, thing the husband the thing. Like, yeah, I or, think or the dad, did. like, having to go in. So he goes in, and I, I like how they... It's always fun when they show, and he's like... He's sitting there, and she hypnotizes him, and then he's like, it's not working. And then he stands up, and his body's still there. Yeah. And there's two of him. Yeah. And then he starts going around, and he's looking for his son, and I think he winds up running to the old house... And it's basically just black and foggy outside. Yep. And we're seeing all these weird, weird dress, like out of time people um, throughout. Yeah. Well, um, he eventually gets to their first house. Yes. Um, and he's 
um, a woman in a wedding dress walks by and he's trying to like get help like but no one's listening to him he follows her up to a room and there's someone crying in the corner just like your run-of-the-mill kind of creepy stuff yeah um because like further that person like it's as if no one's acknowledged like he's not strong enough yet in this realm for people to notice him yeah um which in a lot of ways that's good because then they would be <laughs> yeah. attracted to him um this would be a fun video game oh yeah so then um he this is another it's just so well done so he gets back downstairs and he sees this like 50s like family um hanging out in the living room yes um and they are frozen but they're making noises like mm. the dad is whistling um and one of the girls just sitting next to him on the couch and then the mom is standing up ironing um, yes but what I love and very nice touch is he gets close to the lady ironing and she, the, the actors do a really good job staying yeah, still, yeah. but eventually she does blink. And the music I remember doing like a really cool, like, Oh, I feel more dread now yes, because of yes. it. Um, you know, then he continues to walk through the house calling out for his son. He sees more people. He sees a girl with a shotgun and then he hears a shot. It's very cool. Here's a shotgun. And then he looks back and that woman is no longer there with the shotgun. Yeah. Because she, they're all moving in like out of time stuff. Yes. And that's also a really good, practical, dreadful thing to do. Totally. Um, but I would say just more terror. I yes. just feel yes. sick watching this because he goes back into the living room and that girl kills her family. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Can I? Yeah. So since there are four of these movies and I do not know where this series goes at all. When I was watching this sequence, one of the things I thought, um, I don't think I would think this unless I knew it was a series was I was kind of like, this family's kind of interesting. And if we're making four of these, if one of them has to deal with what is going on with this weird family, or that's a oh. part of one of the movies, I would be really interested to see that. That was something I thought. That was one of the things that I'm kind of hoping is in one of the movies. Yeah. I don't know what it would be, but, uh, and I know they do kind of explain it, like she shot her family, but how did they, like, get lost into this astral plane? You know, that could be interesting. Almost as if they have to continue reliving that moment in their lives. Yeah. So I feel like there's as a lot there. As if this there. place is, like, purgatory in some way. Yeah. But I also don't, like, if they don't get there, I'm not going to be disappointed. I just, that was a nugget where I was like, okay, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, we got, we're going to make a third movie, that's something to me that seems like an obvious, oh, we could maybe go off of yeah. this. As far as I see it right now, I don't understand how they could make three more movies that isn't the same movie. Me neither. But there is a lot of promise with just the idea of the further, you know? So I yeah, could see. I just don't want too much. I know. But I we know. got three others. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so then he goes up to the attic, and there's the red door. The red door. But there is that creepy guy who was in the baby's room there, guarding it. Yes. Um, and this guy reminds me of the thing from Sinister. Oh, totally. Funny enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Which they, I, I had misspoke. Sinister comes out in 2012, so two years later. Okay. Um, so they start fighting, and it's a, it's cool because they cut back to Patrick Wilson sitting on the chair, mm -hmm. and he, you can tell that he is intent like struggling struggling and then the woman reminds him like you were stronger than these people because you're alive yeah next the guy right over so then we go into this room that is all red and there's candles and then you see the lipstick demon but the set is so cool it kind of well, reminds me of legend oh that's a, a good little one. bit i was thinking 
this room and like what the tiptoe guy is doing felt like extremely Miyazaki to me. I would go for that too. Like when he was sharpening his nails and stuff, it kind of reminded me of um, the guy in Spirited Away who has all the levers. Uh-huh. And, and he's in that back room with all the, the salt and stuff for the ba- bathhouse. Yep. And he has all those arms. I was like, that kind of reminds me of that mixed with like Guillermo del Toro. Totally Guillermo del Toro, like hardcore. Yeah. And, and I thought it was so cool. Like this was a part where it's like, okay, this is supposed to be the scariest part, but I'm like, ooh, I really like I all this. I kind of wish cool. it was longer, the scene. Um, I'm be, glad it's short though, because we don't get tired of it. That's true. That I mean, it's always better to do shorter. You always want to be yeah. let, leave the audience wanting more. Yeah. Um, but so that Tiny Tim song is playing during this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just so well shot. He finds his son chained, but the his the the lipstick demon is like in like an office that like overlooks. Well, and here's the, the other thing, and I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but um, it, this felt very fairy tale ish. That's that's why I'm saying scene. legend because that's like why it reminds me of that. Because they're like he hasn't seen us yet, but they're clearly in view, so it feels like there's like. It's like a fairy tale rule, kind of like the eye demon thing in uh, Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. where it's like, if you don't eat, then he doesn't see you. Yeah. And he doesn't wake up. So it felt like, oh, there's like another rule. There's some reason that this guy can't see them, even though they're in plain view. And I don't need to know the reason, but it just felt kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it did. It really did. And it almost, it's like, this shouldn't feel as fun. He's like a <laughs> demon. But uh, it shows him, like you said, sharpening like his fingers his nails his nails or something yeah and um i I just wish they would have stayed a couple seconds longer because i really wanted to look at everything like in his little office area because there were a lot of marionette puppets um dolls yeah in there which i just was like why that's interesting right right maybe we will get an explanation to that um so yeah he sees them and it's just the really good shot where the the camera like cuts up to oh no an even cooler thing okay so patrick wilson unchains his son the kid is doing a stellar job of being scared he's like genuinely terrified yes um they're trying to get out and the camera is this is an m night shot yeah it pans up to the demon's office and he's staring out at them and his body is pretty much just a silhouette yeah and then same shot pans back down to patrick wilson and his son yeah looking like eventually at that point they had looked up yeah not good amazing guy comes out of his office (laughs) he's got goat feet yeah which is i remember like the first time i saw it i was like oh no i don't know if i should watch this it was funny seeing the behind the scenes though because it's just it's just that part that you see and then like a guy holding wooden blocks and going yeah i bet because it's like there's no need for an actor to do it yeah it's like such a waste of money so it's just those walking but it's really effective yes and it's also just like, really? He's got goat feet? That's not okay. That's worse. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So they get him out eventually. Right? Well, they're back, well, they're back into the... They're still in the further, but they're back in the house. Yeah. They have to get to their new house because they have to get back to their bodies. That's the only way they can get back. Oh, and this is when the dad confronts his demon. The old woman. Yeah. Um, so like the sun runs off. I mean, the lipstick demon's still chasing him. Still pretty scary. Um, not as scary as that scene though. I gotta say. Yeah. But, um, so he eventually gets back with Patrick Wilson is like hanging behind because he does see that woman and he's like screaming at her to like go away. Fun fact. That's a man dressed up. Yeah. Uh, which I just find interest like cool. 
Oh, oh, like I makeup see what you're wise, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, I think they found it creepier, yeah, to dress a man up as a woman for mm-hmm. that. Um, so yeah, so then he eventually makes it back too, but there's a lot of commotion going on. Uh, oh, that's that's right because all of the dead people are coming into the house because right. they found their bodies. Yeah, so they're trying to come back into this world. Yeah. And then, and then eventually they get out. Yeah. And um, it's everything seemingly fine. The son's alive. He's good. Um, but then um, the old woman looks at Patrick Wilson and she takes a picture of him. She does? Oh, Elise, the medium. Yes. And she and Patrick Wilson goes crazy and chokes her and kills her. And then they're like, hey, what happened to dad? And they walk outside and well to the living room or to the, to the living room roseburn grabs the picture and the picture is the old woman where patrick wilson is standing so she has now taken over his body so you burn ass- screams yeah and it says directed by james wan or it says insidious actually yeah. um so let's talk about that ending though yeah you go first um so presuming that they did not know that they were going to make another movie yeah, Which and as far as as far case. as I know, in April when this movie came out in the U.S., it had already been out in um, in Australia. But in April, they were like, "Okay, we're ready to make a sequel." So it like that was when they were like, "You can make a sequel." So I can assume that they made this without the knowledge of we want to make more. I think it's with the hope. That's how it you feels th- to yeah. me, um, because the budget is just so small. Like, why wouldn't right. they in a lot of ways? Because there's no way that they're not going to make money on this movie. Right. Um, because it's at least like probably it was like the horror movie of the year. So it's going to make its money back. It's at least doubling <laughs> at right, the very right. least, which isn't even that hard because it's one point five million dollars. Um, so I think that it's with the hope that they were going to make more, uh-huh. even if they were going to have a, li- a smaller budget somehow. Yeah. Um. I think I, I'm not I'm never like totally sure how I feel about horror movies with bad endings. Yeah. It just really depends. Like, um, well I guess I don't want to spoil another horror movie that has a bad ending, so I just won't what? talk about well, I was gonna say like Sinister. I was gonna talk about these two endings. And okay. Compare well, them. in this movie So I, spoiler I, alert for Sinister. Yeah. Okay. Now here we go. I think that this movie is long enough that you can't there's not enough time for the old woman to come back and they have to go figure out where patrick wilson is no there's not enough time in the movie to do it i'm glad that that didn't happen no but they're they totally could have done that if they wanted to it would not have been good but they could have right um they would have to cut other stuff i think if they felt the need to do it um so then i watch it and it's like how can that the next movie not be about that yeah so I, I think like, because because I was like, oh, I don't really like how that ended. I liked this movie and the fact that there are more movies. I'm not too bad about the ending. But if I'd seen this when it came out, I'd be like, oh, I hate the ending of this movie, I think is what I would have thought. Um, and then you you said, like, why did you like the ending of Sinister? And I think to compare the two, it's like in Sinister. I, I feel like that ending was more earned. Now, this is opinion, so you yeah. will pro- probably disagree with me, but I feel like the ending was earned, and it did tell, like, a complete story. So it was, like, the the that writer was, like, working on that story, and then his daughter gets possessed by that thing, and she kills the entire family. And it's, like, that is the complete story. There's actually a good amount of time devoted to that ending. Like, I feel like it was, like, mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes of that. Um and while that was a downer and it means that the demon like keeps living on, it felt like that told the whole thing. Whereas in this movie, it felt like it was kind of tacked on. Like we'd finished the story 
and it felt like a cliffhanger, not the end of the story. I agree with that. Does that make not sense? Not into cliffhangers for this kind of thing. No. That being said, with Sinister, I was not really into the ending. Yeah. Because throughout the movie, he discovers and learns that this is a cycle. This is a yeah. thing that has happened several times. That's why I think it would be more interesting if he was like the one that broke that cycle instead of it being a bad ending. I'm not necessarily saying I would have preferred that, but I feel like that bad ending worked better for me than this bad ending. And I'm using bad sure. in terms of like it is Negative. not a happy ending. Negative. Yeah. Um, because again, it felt more complete, whereas this felt like a cliffhanger, like we're setting you up. Yeah. The other one didn't feel like I know that there's a Sinister too, but I have like no desire to watch it because I'm like, I watched Sinister. That was the story. Oh, yeah. Like, what more is there to tell? Yeah. Um, well, if, any, if anything, though, it makes sense because the cycle lives on because of the ending. Right. I mean, it's the same movie, I'm sure. Right. What's different? But it's about like, it? okay, so this person breaks the cycle, I guess. What yeah. else would it be? Um, so that was that was my thought on the ending. Um, I, I think it it's just, it's hard. Like, I agree with you, I think, and then Sidious, it is tacked on. I think it's just, it's hard to make negative endings work. Like the best one that I've ever read that I can think about is a Stephen King book that I don't want to tell you because you've not read it. Oh, so okay. I don't even want to tell you which one it is, but I remember reading it and it's like, it was like, oh, that sucks. But that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt. This movie, don't feel that way. Well, one of the things I really like, and I think King gets a bad rap for his ending sometimes. I think that's kind of changing now. I think the tide is kind of changing on that. But I really like how he attempts to finish his stories completely. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, it may have a happy ending, but what he's really good at is he's like, okay, now let me give you a chapter about the consequences of what just happened. And I think that's why, for me, I don't know. I don't feel like he cheaps his endings and no. just gives you a happy ending because usually the characters at the end are changed and not very happy. Mm -hmm. e even like um, The Shining, it doesn't end happy, but it's like Jack and Wendy get out. Then he writes. No, he doesn't. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Danny and Wendy. Yeah. That's what I meant. Um, get out. And then it's like they, they live on, but it is a little like apprehensive and now danny has also, to live with it he broke her back in the book so she's got yeah. a lot of recovering to do and then he makes doctor sleep and the whole book is like what if you had to live with what you had witnessed before yeah so maybe you thought that was a happy ending but it's not yeah look at look at where danny is now and i think it's kind of beautiful that that he's able to pull off quote happy endings and that's that's part of why i like his book so much yeah i agree because sometimes you know you're uh, like i'll watch a movie and you're like oh this is inevitably gonna go to like that dark despair like a sinister ending and sometimes it works and then sometimes it's like well what did i watch it for it's sometimes how it feels yeah not I would always say another, again i liked sinister a um, lot, but good example was in cabin in the woods funny enough okay big recommend people that movie yeah, is you gotta watch it oh so 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 good a uh, huge commentary on the horror genre. Yeah. But that has a bad ending. And I like it. Oh, that one it works. works. And it's also kind but of a movie, commentary on bad endings. Right. And it's it's very self it's a very self-aware movie. It's right. hilarious. But yeah. also scary. That's a good movie. It is a good it's got um what's his name in it? That guy who's in Shape of Water. I forget his Richard name. Richard Jenkins. Rich, Richard Jenkins. A great Richard yeah. Jenkins performance. But all that to say, that's the ending thing. Um one one thing, so I know that I've, I've heard from our guest who's going to be in our next episode um, 
that Insidious 2 takes place during the events of Insidious 1. So that leads me to think, this is what I hope the next movie is. This is what I'm going to put out there as my hope, is that the movie is about, like, Patrick Wilson and maybe starts with him, like, at school, and he starts seeing stuff and things are being weird for him, and then maybe halfway through the movie, it ends with, like, the lineup of where this I movie would be ends. into that. That would that be sounds pretty good. cool. But yeah, he said it takes place. Our, our guest next week said it takes place during this movie or some of it does. So that's really interesting to Love me. Love it. So I'm very excited to watch it. And um, wow, are we going to get even more spooky? And also Halloween's coming up. And if you're new to the podcast, we do a thing and we've only done it one year. So it's hard to know that it's a tradition, but we do on Halloween a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. And this year, if you want to watch ahead of time, we're doing Mortal Engines because what's scarier to a Hollywood producer than a <laughs> failed movie franchise? So last year we did um, the Fantastic Four movie by Josh Trank, 2015. Go back and listen to that. I fixed the audio, so it should sound good now. And um, this year we're doing Mortal Engines. So if you want to watch it, October 31st, that episode will be live. A little bonus episode that week. We will still have our regularly scheduled Insidious Chapter 2 episode. So, yes. uh, That's it for me. What about you? Got nothing. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.